It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we answer questions from you, the listeners. We've got great questions about the Raptors draft pick in 2024. Is it better they keep it and have it be in the top six or lose it, even if it's just at seventh overall? We'll get into that. Plus, is there anyone on the roster who's going to struggle with Darko Ryakovich ball? And conversely, who's going to thrive with it? We'll get into all that and more on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, September the 19th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can follow the show at Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can join the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast each and every day. If it's expired, shoot me a DM. I will send it to you as well. We'd love to see you in there. we got a great little family building around the show, and I'm very excited for when games start, because I kind of started the Discord right at the end of the season last year. I think we might have gotten the play-in game to kind of talk about a game live as it was going on, but if you're looking for a place that's not Twitter or X, whatever the hell we're calling it now, to come and hang out and, and watch games and share your thoughts and hear my thoughts, Discord's going to be the place this season, so come and hang out. We'd love to see you in there. It's a, it's a great time, and uh, yeah, we would love to add more to our lovely growing family around the show. Uh, of course, you can find the show for free on your favorite podcast app. Subscribe, follow, rate, review. We're also on YouTube each and every day. We are back to our daily schedule now that we are in the ramp up towards the regular season. Uh, if you want to go check out yesterday's episode where we dug into uh, Pascal Siakam a little bit more and Bogdan Bogdanovich and the Hawks, uh, you can go check that out. Today, though, we got a mailbag question, uh, mailbag 
show on tap for you with lots of questions from you, the listeners, that we will begin to dive into right now. We've got questions about Darko Ball and the rookies on the roster and what success might look like for them, success and what it might look like for the team as a whole. But we got a really interesting question from Ben Chapman that I want to start things off with. And just a reminder, if you want your questions answered on the mailbags, the Discord is the place as well. It's the only place I'm putting on the call for questions these days. And so uh, if you want to be getting your questions used on the show, the Discord is the place to be. Okay, first question comes from our pal Ben Chapman, and it's a really good one, a very difficult conundrum, if you will. What is the better outcome? You keep the sixth pick in a week 2024 draft or give up the seventh pick and have control of your picks going forward. Of course, the Raptors pick is going to be a thing that is talked about this season. They owe it, if you're not familiar, they owe their pick to the San Antonio Spurs, top six protected from the Jakob Pertle trade. A trade that, again, on just like a, a pure value basis, you trade your first round pick, top six protected, protected in 2024, Along with Kem Birch and a couple seconds, you get Jakob Pertl, who you've then signed now to a pretty reasonable four-year contract to be on your team going forward. I think value-wise, the Raptors are in the green on that. However, because of the situation the Raptors find themselves in, because the roster fits very strangely, not in small part because of Jakob Pertl's existence on it and within the starting five, it leaves the Raptors in this sort of weird purgatory going into this coming season where, again, we're not totally clear on what the direction is. We're not totally clear on who's going to even be on the roster by the time the season comes to a close, by the time the trade deadline passes. Hell, by the time the regular season starts, there's still plenty to be sorted out between now and then. The roster feels like it's just itching for some kind of rebalancing trade. We've discussed this at length, but Jakob Pertl's presence on the roster is the thing that makes so much of this very complex and difficult to sort out. If, if Jakob Pertle were Miles Turner and was a three-point shooting, rim-protecting big, we wouldn't be having these same conversations about the uncertainty of the future and all of this, the, the overlap and the lack of shooting and spacing on the team because you'd have shooting at a spot where shooting is pretty rare to find and the Scotty Barnes-Pascal Siakam duo with OG Ananobi and whomever else around them would start to make a lot more sense just in terms of on-court basketball fit. Of course, we're not in that situation. Yaka Pertle's on this team, and so that leaves the the question of the draft pick coming into this season very much in the air, and it, it, it sort of puts a bit of a damper on what was acquisition-wise, you know, talent for talent-wise, an upgrade for the Raptors. And so, back to Ben's question, what's the better outcome? You keep the six, or keep a top six pick and, you know, convey it then, then to 2025, bump it down the road, or you just give up the seventh pick. I, this is a binary choice that there's no, uh, you know, the 13th pick, like 13th or 14th pick, if they're not going to make the playoffs is obviously where you want to be probably, uh, if you're giving it up. But if it's sixth or top sixth or just seventh, I think I'd rather just give up the seventh pick, honestly. Look, Am I predisposed to being skeptical about the draft after the top three or four picks? 100%. I can accept that, that I am just not much of a draft head, and I probably put less value on young players coming into the league than a lot of people do. I just think, you know, the, the, the value you're getting from someone at the seventh pick is probably not worth all the hoopla that goes into, oh my god, the seventh pick, what a great lottery pick they have. Like, it usually doesn't pan out quite as well as you want it to. And so for me, with the 2024 draft, you know, as far as every single expert goes, you know, Jonathan Gavoni, all the, on down the list of all the draft heads out there, 
it seems to be pretty universal consensus that this is not a very good draft. Maybe there are some guys at the top of the, the conversation who really, you know, would be excellent fits. And, you know, any young player you can add to this roster would be a nice thing, of course. But for me, the value of just getting this pick outlay sorted out and behind you is way more valuable than whatever you're going to get from the theoretical seventh overall pick in a weak NBA draft. For me, the big thing is the summer of 2024, you don't want to have future pick encumbrances. Is that a word? Who knows? I just made it up if I did, uh, if it's not. Um, you don't want to have your future picks encumbered next summer because Giannis is out there. Joel Embiid is out there. We have no idea what's going to happen with these two superstar players. And we know the Raptors have coveted, of course, Giannis in the past. We know that they're still missing some kind of superstar edge to this team to put them over the top. And you would assume that they'll want to be in those conversations. The thing is, as it stands, the Raptors are kind of drawing dead in any negotiation anyway. When you compare them to the Thunder or the Knicks or the Jazz, those teams have loads and loads of picks from other teams, notably, which is a very valuable thing to have because, you know, the Knicks, for example, can acquire Giannis and the Knicks will be a very good team, but the Knicks can send the Bucks picks that are not Knicks picks. They will be picks from other teams that are much worse and therefore a little more valuable. And so I think for the Raptors to have any shot at any of these superstar trades, A, they're going to need a star to probably want to angle their way to Toronto a little bit. Maybe they can do that with Giannis. Obviously, they thought they had a chance back in the early part of this decade. Last time he was a free agent or, or pending a free agent, uh, and he obviously didn't turn out. And the Raptors were paying for it for a couple of years after that because of the way they cleared their decks in order to try to pursue Giannis in a pursuit that never even came to fruition. Uh, and so next summer, like you need to have your full complement of stuff, even to have a chance. Again, you need some luck. You need a star to maybe want to angle their way to you, but you also need to have all your picks in store. And if you don't have your 2025 pick because it's been kicked down the road because you got the top six pick this season that you wanted to tank for or whatever, then you're really screwed and you're not going to have any chance in any of these superstar conversations. So it's a you know pretty slim chance they'll be in on those conversations anyway, as it always is the case with superstar trades. It's very hard to get into the conversation. But you know the Raptors have a Scotty Barnes, for example, to dangle out there. Maybe it's an awesome season for him and they can justify flipping him for a Giannis in a big package. And you know having their full complement of picks would be enough there. But again, you, you want to make sure that you uh, have all those picks just to be in the conversation. Because if you don't, I feel like you're not even going to have the phone picked up if you call the Bucks or the Sixers to try to make a big superstar trade next summer. If, in fact, those superstar trades even come to pass, which we're, we would love to get really ahead of our skis on this stuff, the Bucks could go win the title this season. It would not be shocking. And all of a sudden, Giannis is locked in for five more years. That's a totally plausible outcome here. So it's... um. It's a good question from Ben, but I don't even think it's close. Like, absolutely just convey the seventh pick, get it behind you, move on with your lives, and I think you'll be happier as opposed to, oh, no, we got the top six pick in this kind of crummy draft. Fine, that's a nice talent infusion, but also now we're waiting to convey this pick again that, you know, affects our ability to trade the 2026 pick and on down the line. No, thank you. Just get it out of the way and convey that pick this season. And hopefully they're good enough to do that. I, I don't think they're going to be a bottom six team in the NBA. I think there's too much talent on the roster for that. Um, you know, maybe it's out of their control and they're just so awful that they're going to be a top six draft pick team anyway. But I can't really foresee that when teams like the Wizards and the Spurs and the Hornets and uh, the Rockets and a bunch of other teams exist. I think it's going to be hard for the Raptors to be that abjectly terrible. But we'll see. 
We'll come back on the other side, get into some more questions from you, the listeners, including who's going to struggle with Darko Ball? It's a really fascinating question. Obviously, we're all very excited about Darko Ryakovic and his new philosophies, but will his quick decision-making 0.5 offense philosophy really uh, hurt any of the players on the team and maybe not amplify their abilities? We will get to that in just a second. But first got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, the number one sports book in all the land. You got to snap into action with the NFL this season with FanDuel because right now new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use and there's a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And it's not just the NFL. I'm not a big football guy myself, but sometimes I like to put a little futures bet down on a team to win a championship in say the NBA I did this last year with the Denver Nuggets around this time of year I put money down on the Nuggets to win it like 18 or 19 to 1 and maybe that paid off you can go and do that as well if you have that foresight by going to visit FanDuel so visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season right FanDuel the official partner of the NFL we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, tomorrow on the show, our pal Chelsea Light from the uh, Raptors HQ beautiful website that she runs. My, of course, my former place that I wrote. Uh, we love Raptors HQ. It's a glorious, glorious place. Uh, Chelsea's going to be along, and we are going to dig into the three players we are each most excited to watch on the Raptors this coming season. A bit of a positive twinge to tomorrow's episode. Uh, I'm really trying to balance out the negativity and the positive positivity honestly I know I feel like kind of a grump about this team it's hard because I'm looking at a roster that doesn't seem to make any basketball sense and so it's hard to shake those grumpy inclinations but we will do our very darndest tomorrow on the show with Chelsea so looking forward to that okay let's uh continue on with your mailbag questions we've got a couple in from Cole Gibbon a couple good ones we'll get to this one first from Cole asking what players do you think will struggle the most with what we think Darko Ball will look like it's a really good question, and it's, look, it's been this very ethereal thing, right? It's uh, like, okay, you know, the, the Raptors are going to play Darko Ball. Everything's going to be fixed, right? They're going to play with ball movement and person movement and quick decision-making and all this stuff. Like, you have to have players with requisite skills to actually make that style of basketball work. There's a reason, for example, the Spurs of 2013, yeah, 2014 Spurs, whatever. Like, the 13-14 Spurs, those two great teams back-to-back that lost in the finals, then won the finals in a beautiful redemption tour. There's a reason that team was able to play some of the most beautiful basketball we've ever seen. It's because they had a ton of shooting, they had a ton of great players, they had a lot of playmaking, and smart, intelligent basketball players on the floor. And that, I think, is kind of what Darko is probably looking to, you know, that sort of like peak Darko ball is what the Spurs looked like at their very peak near the end of the Tim Duncan run. And it's hard to go and achieve that, you know, having Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili and a burgeoning Kawhi Leonard and, of course, Tim Duncan really helps with that. And so, for me, I think you have to sort of just temper your expectations a little bit. I, I, I think... 
Darko is going to be a very good coach. I think everything you hear about him is really promising. The way he connects with players on an individual level, the way he is just so schooled in the game and has really, I think, you know, very smart base principles, the way he's discussed how to play basketball and also how to sort of manage an 82 game season. I think that's going to be a breath of fresh air. Someone who has the long game in mind, which I don't think you could say was one of Nick Nurse's strengths. That's all going to be great. But again, you can't go and make a cake if you don't have eggs and you don't have the the batter and you you only have like some flour and some milk. Like that's not cake. That's just a, a, a globby mess. And you can't like just invent skills out of nowhere if you're a coach. Yes, you can develop them over time, but this is a multi-year process. It's not a single year in which, okay, Darko comes in in one summer, everyone's better at all the stuff they're not good at. Some guys are never going to get better at stuff. Some guys are going to take longer to get better at stuff. And so I think you can't go and just assume, well, the team last year had a really bad offense. Darko's going to come in, change the principles, and everything will be fixed because you can only coach an offense so much if there's not a lot of spacing or creation or great quick decision-making. Like, all these things play into one another. You need great talent mixed with great scheme to really kind of thrive. And so going into, like, a player-by-player sort of rundown of the roster as far as who I think is going to really thrive within Darko Ball, obviously, like, we'll do struggle and thrive. We'll kind of do both sides of the coin here to kind of expand Cole's question. Um, you know, I think Scotty Barnes is going to thrive, right? You know, even if the spacing is not there uh, to really sort of maximize what he's doing as a playmaker, I think that he's going to be emboldened to go have the ball in his hands more often, make reads, make the reads that really only he can make on this team. I think that's going to be a good for, good thing for him. There will be growing pains, no doubt about it, but he can make a play with the ball in his hands. He can put it on the deck. He can score. He can pass. He can do the stuff that Darko's going to want to do, and he can do it pretty quickly, right? And so I think that's that's going to be a, a benefit to him. I think as long as OG Ananobi is not being asked to do like overextend, overextended creation duties where he's dribbling the ball for five seconds, trying to find a laneway, trying to get a blow by, whatever it might be. I think he's going to thrive pretty well, too, because he's a great sort of off-ball player. He's an unbelievable cutter. He's an incredible three-point shooter on those sort of, you know, the catch-and-shoots around the arc. He has, uh, I think, a lot of smarts to his game. I just don't think they're at the forefront when he's kind of doing his bullying drive thing. And so hopefully that's carved out of his game a little bit more this season. And hopefully, you know, he's kind of being put into positions where he's really succeeding as like a secondary creator as opposed to a primary on-ball guy. Um, You know, obviously we know that he wants a bigger role, but I feel like if his point totals go up because he's just so deadly efficient as a secondary scorer, that's probably going to scratch the itch as well, right? I mean, again, I can't speak for OG and his desires, his intentions, but if he's scoring 21 a game on, you know, mostly off ball, you know, finishing plays, you know, dunking cuts with like the chin-ups that he does, the reverse chin-ups, hitting his threes, getting the odd creation duty here and there, working with bench lineups, like I I think you can probably satisfy OG's urge for a little bit more offensive involvement. And I think, you know, if he's coming out with like a 63 true shooting percentage because he's not being asked to do stuff that he's not great at, then I think that's good for everybody and probably bodes well for his long-term future in Toronto as well. So I think OG has a chance to be very successful within this. I think Grady Dick is just like a really smart basketball player. He seems to know where to stand. He seems to know where to be. Really good off-ball movement. And obviously the three-point shooting is going to be such a release valve for a lot of the guys on this team. I think Grady Dick's going to have a lot of success and he has guys to play off of in dribble handoff situations that are going to be really fun. Obviously Scotty Barnes, but you can run a little Pascal Siak 
Stockham dribble handoff. You can run Jakob Pertle dribble handoff stuff. I think there's going to be a lot of ways in which they can weaponize Grady Dick and his gravity as a shooter. I think he's going to succeed here. I actually think I'm really excited to watch Christian Coloco play within this scheme. He needs to get better finishing around the basket. He needs to be stronger going up, but obviously his rim protection is incredible. His impact on the Raptors defense when he was just merely on the floor last season was off the charts. And I think he's got some kind of sneaky passing chops and delicate hands when it comes to uh, sort of making those reads on the short roll, you know, finding guys. He was hitting outlet guys at a couple G League games I saw him in last year, um, you know, throwing those beautiful outlet passes. I think there's something there with Christian Coloco. Maybe I'm overrating it maybe my eyes are lying to me because I want to see something there but as much as I think he struggles scoring around the basket I think he's got some wits to him as a playmaker and I'm pretty excited to see what he can do in short roll situations playing Darko Ball as well and I think Pascal Siakam is going to do pretty well here too right he's going to have a lot of opportunity um, especially if he is sort of attacking the second side after a, a Scotty Barnes flourish of initiation maybe he hits him in the corner the defense is shifting over we know Pascal's got that first step in the spin move he can chew up that space really get to the bucket and score I think Pascal really stands a chance of being really good in this point five system maybe not as like if they're going to run like what they did last year where it was a lot of him just kind of dribbling a bunch and running pick and rolls and trying to find little access points into the defense. I think the whole shape of the offense is going to look different this season. And I don't think we'll see that sort of heliocentric Pascal, but we've seen plenty of him being an outstanding, you know, opportunistic score in addition to being a self-created guy as well. And so I think there's some room there. You know, anyone who can average six, seven assists a game, like Pascal has had stretches of doing, I think is going to fit just fine in a system where ball movement and player movement are a, a big part of what's going on. Again, Jakob Pertl, I think, is going to be very good here, too. The guys who are going to struggle, I think two guys come to mind. And a third guy is a little bit of an in-between because he does some stuff well that Darko Ryakovic might prioritize, even if I don't think it's part of the .5 offense thing. That's Chris Boucher. Like, I think Boucher, if Darko is going to lean into the offensive rebounding side of things, like those Memphis teams, he was the right-hand man to Taylor Jenkins on, really did. I think we could see Boucher really succeed here. And frankly, I think we could see Precious Achua really succeed there as well. We both know they're very good. They both We know that both are very good offensive rebounders. I think Boucher can really kind of thrive there if they're just going to sell out for offensive boards. Precious, I'm a little concerned about when it comes to Darko ball, just because the decision-making, it's pretty slow. And it's pretty faulty at times. And so you could have these beautiful sequences of ball movement and swings. And then it comes to Precious. And I feel like things could maybe peter out pretty quickly if he's kind of on the stuff he was on last year when it came to his creation. And just anytime the ball was in his hands, it felt like a 50-50 proposition as to he's going to dunk it or he's going to kick it out of bounds. And there wasn't really any in between. He doesn't have a ton of sort of natural playmaking chops, I don't think. He's not really looking to pass when he's making his drives. Um, so I think that could maybe kind of have him follow the favor with Darko Ryakovich. Again, I really like Precious. I don't think he needs to clear that high of a bar offensively because his defense is just so nasty good. He doesn't have to be the best offensive player in the world, but he's got to pr provide something and he's got to provide those sort of connective plays in an offense that's going to require a lot of connectivity to really work, especially considering the sort of talent disadvantage they'll be working with and the self-creation disadvantage is going to be working with so precious stands out to me as a guy who could struggle and the other guy is gary trent jr i think gary is going to get a lot of three-point opportunities just uh, by necessity that's good he's going to get to bomb away but his playmaking chops i think regressed last season he doesn't really have 
you know, like a pocket pass to his game. He doesn't doesn't really have like a much drive and kick to his game. He doesn't really have much passing to speak of whatsoever. And in a system that's going to require a lot of quick reads, a lot of quick passing, similar to Precious, I feel like we could see a lot of possessions where you get three or four passes into a sequence and it's looking good. And then it comes to Gary and it's all right, I'm going to dribble and jab step into a mid-ranger. And maybe that's good. Maybe that's like late, you need that late clock bailout stuff. But I do have a little trepidation about how Gary is going to fit into an offense that's requiring quick, fast decision making and good passing. You know, the Raptors are blessed to have passing across their front court in a way that most teams don't. You know, Scotty plus Pascal plus Yak is a whole lot of passing chops for a, a sort of untraditional positions for guys that size but they're really lacking it elsewhere. You know, we'll see with Dennis Schroeder. I think he's kind of an in-between case here. Um, You know, he's succeeded with Darko as an assistant in the past. He, I think, can make quick decisions. He can get downhill quick. I think he's going to be sort of a good igniter of sort of positive possessions just by getting into the teeth of the defense and letting things flow from there. But, um, you know, I I I wouldn't sort of say he's going to go and eat on catch-and-shoot threes as a result of great ball movement or anything like that. We'll see there. I think I'm more sort of neutral on Schroeder. But I think the two guys who I'm a little worried about in Darko Ball are Precious and Gary. And I hope I'm wrong because I like both guys and want to see both succeed. We'll come back on the other side, close out with a few more questions. We've got uh, one about the rookies on the roster. We've got one about uh, what a successful season might look like. And actually, that was Cole's other question. I might just save that for a whole episode for for down the line. So uh, we might skip over that one. But we'll get into what might be a successful season for the team and maybe a little Giannis talk coming up as well. And with that, I'm going to tell you about our friends over at Jace Medical as well. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes you have makes it sure that you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional 20 bucks off by using the code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com promo code locked on this locked on podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home but i'll be honest i haven't been consistent that is until i found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, we continue on here, rounding out the mailbag edition of the show here on a Tuesday with a couple of questions from you, the listeners. And uh, let's dive into this one from... Ejapno from the uh, Discord asking, um, what would be considered a successful season for Grady Dick and Marquise Noel, and how would they not be considered bust bad picks by Toronto? Look, first of all, you're probably not going to find out whether a dude is a bust or a bad pick in the first season. 
I should also say Marquise Noel was not even a draft pick, and so I don't think you can have a bust of an undrafted free agent. That's just undrafted free agents most of the time don't make the league, and that's fine. That's not going to be some sort of indictment of the Raptors' talent evaluation if Marquise Noel doesn't become a 10-year NBA player. It's just how things go for 5'8 dudes who go undrafted. Um, When it comes to Marquise Noel, let's quickly run through his sort of success. I think really, like, G League run and looking good at the G League and kind of giving the G League roster some sort of centrifugal force, centrifugal? Bad word to try to use on the podcast without actually knowing the full pronunciation. Uh, But he, like, if he can just be a backbone for that Raptors 905 team and sort of set other dudes up for success, get his own obviously when he needs to, but just kind of give that team some dependability, someone you can set your watch to every single day. I think that's what you're looking for from Marquis Noel. I don't expect him to figure into the NBA team's plans much this season because he's a five foot eight undrafted point guard, and it's really hard for that to, to to come to fruition. I know there's lots of excitement about him, but we saw in summer league. You know, it's not always going to go well for a guy of that size. And in the NBA, the size, the speed, everything is really going to put a guy like that to the test. And I think he's going to need some G League time to just seize and get used to the athletes that he's seeing in the professional game. Um, I'm not penciling in Marquise Noel for much of a contribution this season to the Raptors at all. And I don't think that makes him a bust or anything like that. I just think, again, that makes him an undrafted free agent. And uh, that's just how things go. With Grady Dick, I think with him... You know, it's tough to kind of gauge the bar because we don't really know how what how much he's going to play, right? I think it's going to be a lot of competition for minutes off the bench. I think he has an inside track for minutes, A, because he's a lottery pick, and B, because he brings shooting to the table that no one on the roster really brings in that sort of in that sort of, you know, type of style, right? Like he, he's someone who can fly around off the ball and, and, you know, you can run him off pin downs and all this stuff. They don't have a ton of movement shooters on this roster, so he's going to get a chance you know, I think the defense, you can't expect that it's going to be good as a rookie, right? He's like a pretty slight dude. He, you know, can kind of get bullied a little bit. That's going to be a thing that comes along. He's 19 years old, though, so that's fine. I think if he can come out and get his shot off with the same sort of ease that he was able to in college, where he's not like totally flummoxed by the length and the physicality of the defense he's going to be up against if he's able to get his looks off if he's able to shoot a reasonable percentage 36 37 38 percent from deep and you know kind of do all the little stuff that we've seen you know the the little sort of it passes off of drives the you know the, the the offensive rebounding the cutting stuff like that if he's able to do that stuff and kind of display that high basketball IQ, which I think was a big reason why the team drafted him at 13, I think we'll probably feel pretty good about where Grady Dick's at. I'm not really going to put numbers on it because, again, I don't know, don't know how much he's going to play. But I think for me, success would be him being dependable enough to get 15 minutes of game time at night and not feel like you know Darko is putting the team at risk of losing games or getting blown out in his minutes just because he's on the floor. If he can be passable and play you know reasonable minutes off the bench and not get run off the floor, that's good for me as a rookie for, for Grady Dick. Again, we want to see the shooting. We want to see all the different stuff that makes him such an interesting offensive complimentary piece. Um, but, you know, I, I think you got to temper the expectations pretty well as well because, again, he's 19 years old and the adjustment to the NBA might be pretty tough for a dude of his physical stature. Again, it's going to come along. He's 19 years old, but he's kind of a beanpole right now, and that should be noted. Um, we'll get to one last question here from Skip to My Lou in the Discord asking... 
With Giannis's recent extension comments, Miami's shifting dynamics, Jimmy, Kyle getting older, losing Gabe, Vincent, and Max Struess, and Philly's internal issues is now the best time to go all in for the next couple years. Uh, this is an interesting question, as uh, for, for those in the Discord know that Skip to My Lou and I have disagreed very much on the idea of the Raptors trading for Damian Lillard. Uh, I think they should go ahead and call up the Blazers and try to make something happen, frankly. I think it would be awesome. I think I'd love to watch Dame play with Pascal and OG and whomever else you can keep in a potential trade. Maybe you don't even have to trade Scotty Barnes, considering the level of poo-poo platter that the Heat seem to be offering up in exchange for Damian Lillard. We'll see. Maybe that deal gets done by the time this even posts it seems like maybe there's some more traction there but either way i think you know this is an interesting question because i'm always a game to just say to say screw it let's go all in and go make a big trade for a superstar because it's fun even if it's not going to be something that guarantees you a championship i'd rather just watch a really good team play over multiple years and get deep on the playoffs and have memorable touchstone moments than i would rather than i would watch a team that's just kind of bad or mid every year um you know I, i think the goal really should be not championship or bust, but really good team or bust, right? And someone, a team that's kind of in the conversation each and every year. And the way you can do that is to go all in and try to trade for a superstar to give yourself a pretty high floor. Um, obviously, I know opinions on Dame Lillard are mixed and mostly negative at this point as a potential trade target for the Raptors. And I'm not under any illusion that this is going to happen, but I still maintain that like one of the ways the Raptors can get themselves out of this weird kind of purgatory they're in is to just say, screw it. We're going to go all in and go trade for a guy like Dame and try to take advantage of an Eastern Conference that, to skip to my lose point, is a little weird right now. I think maybe the Bucks issues are being a little overplayed. Obviously, the long-term implications there are a thing to be considered, but if Chris Middleton's healthy this season, they have Drew Holiday, they have Giannis, they got Brooke Lopez back, I still think that team has a year or two left of being a legit title contender, and so I, I'm not like expecting them to have a massive drop-off this season, but when you look at the Celtics and their dependence on Chris Dapp's Porzingis and his health and Robert Williams and his health and Al Horford and him not aging into his 40s, which he's very close to at this point, like, you know, I think there's a lot of precariousness when it comes to those top teams in the East, and I'm always in favor of going and try to make a big move to try to go and become one of those teams. Again, even if you don't think a Dame-led Raptors team can go and win a championship, I don't frankly much care about that. I want to see a team that can go play really good basketball. I think being good, being relevant, being in the conversation begets being more in the conversation and more relevancy going forward. It puts you in positions to trade for players when things come up. It puts you in position to be potentially a franchise that stars want to go to. You know, I think we're seeing this with the Knicks right now, frankly, where the Knicks had all this time of being kind of stuck in nowhere, but then a couple of good seasons where they look competent and all of a sudden it's like, wow, the Knicks, maybe they could go trade for Giannis or Embiid or they can go do some big, big sort of shopping, big game hunting and or maybe sign a free agent of note or whatever it might be. Being good, being relevant is like a positive feedback loop. And I think if you can go make a big move for a guy like Dame, yes, the long-term implications are there, the potential picks down the line, all that stuff. But for me, like any sort of all-in move, again, I'm not getting too focused on Dame, but if there's a move out there where you can go and make a big splash, 
I'm typically pretty in favor of that. I think the one case in which I wasn't super on board was with the Kevin Durant thing. Um, but even then, I think I probably would have, you know, done something to go get Kevin Durant if uh, if it was reasonable. I just don't think the Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant thing was ever all that realistic or on the table. And, you know, that, that was its own sort of specifically interesting sort of debate philosophically that I don't think there was really a wrong answer to. But either way, um, yeah, the East is always going to be, or like in the next couple of years, I think it's going to very much going to have a lot of uncertainty up at the top. So if you can go get yourself into that conversation, by all means do it. Problem is finding that trade, which is a hard thing to do, and it just might not be there for the Raptors right now. So that's fine as well. Um, but in general, my philosophy is go for it, man. Uh, have fun. If, what do we do this for? Why are we waiting around? Why are we hoarding picks when we can go do a cool thing right now and have some fun in the moment? Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's much appreciated when you support the show. Thanks to those who sent questions in on the Discord. If you would like to be a Discord member, it's free to do. The link is in the description. Come hang out. We'd love to see you there. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to come hang out and talk with fellow sickos just like you. And I hope to see you there very soon. We'll be back again tomorrow with Chelsea from Raptors HQ. We're going to talk about the players we're most excited to watch this coming season. So look forward to that. Uh, go listen to yesterday's show with Vivek as we talked about Pascal Siakam and the Hawks and Bogdan Bogdanovich and all that good stuff as well. And uh, with that, we'll leave you for the rest of your Tuesday. Have yourself a wonderful day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.